Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. I am excited, which I say every fucking time we start the podcast, but I'm really pumped today because we have a special guest on and we are going to do an interview slash panel discussion with Dr. Jillian Tita, who is a good friend of ours and many of you know her as the founder of Fix Your Digestion. She is a naturopathic physician, super, super smart gal, and she is also my sister-in-law. And she's here in, uh, we're in our LA studio. LA studio in the house. as we do all of our interviews in person. And Jillian is here uh, to spend some time with us. She's working and also having some fun. So welcome to the Thank best you guys life. So much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, Thank you both so much. She's doing a couple other podcasts that I think are a little bit more serious than this one. Yeah, so we're gonna have fun with this. She's gonna be on the podcasts that are a big deal. So maybe like that will trickle down to us, and we'll get. <laughs> so we're using her actually. Yeah, exactly. It's leverage. <laughs> it's leverage. We're but, using you it. You know, we, we thought about what we want to talk about with Jillian and obviously want to interview her about, you know, who she is, what she does, who she helps, etc. But she, in my experience, and I just know you very well, that you are a master of a lot of trades. And you particularly have, you were the one who introduced me to Byron Katie's work in 2011, which obviously had a huge impact on my own kind of relationship stuff moving forward. And, and I know that you are a student of Byron Katie's and kind of that school of thought. And I want to talk about relationships too, because I think you have done a ton of work personally, and you also do it with clients about obviously you work with digestion. And like a huge piece of that is emotional stress, Mm -hmm. isn't it? And like relationships and things like that. So yeah, we can talk about a lot of different things, but like just to kind of introduce everyone who might not know you, tell us a little bit about you, your story, etc. Okay, so I'm a naturopathic physician. I have been working in that field since 2007. I'm also an author. I wrote the book, uh, Natural Solutions for Digestive Health. And pretty much my entire life, I've been on this journey for, it sounds so, so cliche, but you know, like inner peace and like just feeling at ease. Um, I grew up in a alcoholic household with, you know, like all the non-secure attachment and all of those types of things. And I think that that sort of like uniquely set me up for my own journey, searching for that attack, like that security, that peace. And that has really made me want to like rip off the bandaid for a lot of those inner demons, those like non-productive inner narratives, the dysfunctional self-talk that we have, like the bad relationships that we choose over and over. And Ultimately, like that all has a fascinating relationship to the gut, right? Because our inner world, our central nervous system is connected to the gut and like the second brain and like Mm -hmm. that impacts our health and like all of these things. So I just think it's fascinating. And this is a really cool forum to talk about it. So if you guys don't know, um, I want to talk to you about all the things, but TBT, Jillian was actually a competitor. Were you? Yeah. She did a handful of shows Uh and she was a Jill Fit coach at one point and like she was doing OG. a lot of like meal prep for people yeah. um and obviously your scope of practice is much bigger than just doing that kind of stuff but that was such a funny like we obviously talk about those days because Danny was like super into it way more than even I was and 
And it's kind of like funny to look back at those times and be like, it's just such a different relationship to food. And mm-hmm. and when you mentioned negative self-talk or kind of the inner dialogue, I remember back then it was a lot of, you know, using maybe guilt as motivation or using shame or embarrassment as motivation to get in shape. And so, you know, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to have such a holistic approach like you have and also do something that I would say from the outside looking in is very egocentric. So like at the, like, how do you put all that together? I don't think shame ever works in the long term, ever, like at all. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. Except the totally, one time, except the one time when it did. No, except the one time I mean, you were up on stage. It, it might like if we're talking about like a short game versus a long game. Like I do think that shame is good for like keeping us, you know, like small and contained and from not putting ourselves out there. It's actually really interesting. This came up because a couple of days ago, it was very random. I was scrolling on Instagram on like my favorite dog meme account and all these troll comments were like popping up and I did this like half. Who could ever put a troll comment on a dog meme? Right? Yeah. So I posted also, on my. Also, which account is this? Dr. Smash Love. Okay. Why am I not following that? Looking it up. We're following it <laughs> I love Please how she's like, on I'm on right my favorite now. dog meme account. I know. We're like, but what is it though? So. Dr. Smash Love. I post this like half silly, half serious story. Like, you know, good morning to everybody except who like trolls dog meme account. <laughs> right. And obviously. Anyway, I all like this like rain of DMs come in about like criticism and people not putting themselves out there for fear of criticism. Right. And for even the most like seemingly benign thing, like a dog meme, like who's going to have a problem with that? Because it's just like supposed to be fun and light. Uh-huh. And they're adorable and it's funny. But yeah, it was, it was shocking to me. So it turned into this whole thing where then I sent out like an email to my list, sort of differentiating like trolling from criticism, right? Sure. But like also how I handle criticism and also how that's Wait, there related were critiques to like, towards you about that comment? What's that? There were, they were critiquing you about that comment? No, no, no. So all of these people sort of like came in and were like, I want to like start this coaching thing uh-huh. or like start this business thing or like talk to my husband about this. Yeah. But I, they're like holding themselves back. Sure. Literally for fear of fear criticism. Of criticism. <laughs> got it. Got it. <clears throat> so we, and then what does that bring up? Right. That brings up like shame. That brings up like, I'm not good enough. That sure. brings up like, I need to please everybody. Like we, uh, especially as women are like socially conditioned for all of those things, for people pleasing, like you. Why, where do you think that comes from? Because I agree with you. I think like if we don't start questioning those narratives, you can go through life in a default mode of constantly feeling guilty, constantly being at the mercy of other people's desires and preferences mm-hmm. for you. No boundaries. Like why do you think that that's our default? You know, I <laughs> I don't have like a total firm grasp, but I do. Part of it's misogyny because it's largely directed towards women, especially around their bodies Mm. and especially around what they say. Right. So I do feel like women are more. Because we're more, we're more likely to be critiqued. Yes, we are. I, in my experience, women are more likely to be critiqued for how they look Mm -hmm. or what they say or what they like or what they do than men. Interesting. Now, plenty of men. Because we're just, because we take it on more or we are more susceptible to it. Or because that's just been, historically, that's been how it is. I think historically, that's been how it is. And because historically, that's how it is, we're socialized to it. Mm -hmm. And so we just sort of like accept it. And Mm -hmm. then that's like how it is. And so for me, it's like 
how many creators have stifled and censored themselves because they are afraid of criticism? And so that was what that whole like trolling comment on my favorite dog meme account like spiraled into like these people are depriving the world of like their gifts or their art or their work because they are afraid of like some troll or someone who's not even worthy Mm -hmm. of saying like you're stupid or like or stick to digestion or or challenging their credentials or like whatever like whatever that fear is they censor themselves for that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I remember when I started to kind of branch out of fitness and starting to talk about relationships or mm-hmm. money or anything else, <clears throat> I would get that um, once in a while I would get somebody who go, what does this have to do with, like I did some money talk and they were like, what does this have to do with fitness when I was the sweaty buddies? And it stopped me for a little bit. I think it was off, like it wasn't quite on brand. So I did have to do some switching, but it could have stopped me for good. And I think sometimes people do fear kind of going off track, even though they feel it like maybe in their heart, they want to talk about something. But are we really that one dimensional? Right. We're not. Right. Right. No one is. Right. So why do you feel like people, I mean, this is a question for both of you. Why? And I I know what my answer is, but like, why do you think that people like you need to stay in fitness? Right. Stick to digestion. Mm -hmm. You're a woman stick to cooking. Like even cooking and cleaning is where I found myself for a while feeling a lot of shame around the fact that I either wasn't good at those things. And Mm -hmm. this is good because Jillian like actually legitimately is an amazing cook. And not only that, but loves cooking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being like, I should like this Mm -hmm. or I should be better at this. I remember my mom even being like, you know, you should just learn a couple good dishes. Just like, and I was like, why? Oh my God. And I had a lot of shame around that. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and I had to let all of that go so like why do you think that people like to pigeonhole in general not even just women but like we like to go okay danny she's fitness yeah Jill in your digestion mm-hmm. jill you're this you know and like is it does it feel safe for people like why can't we let people be multi-dimensional it's so interesting i don't i mean i don't have an answer to it I, i've started to think about who i've heard criticism from and i feel like the people who say it are the ones who are the most insecure. Yes. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's, you know, they always say when somebody criticizes you, it's more about them than you. And when it comes to that, I really think that's true. Because every time I've had somebody give me that kind of stuff, I'm like, well, what have you done with your fucking life? Or, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. what are you, who are you to yeah. say? And I think about Marie Forleo, you know, she's, she's very successful. And I remember being really insecure about shifting my brand and talking about different things outside of fitness. And she was really big on how she was like multidimensional and has done a lot of different things. And that I feel like it gave me permission to Mm -hmm. do that as an entrepreneur, as a female entrepreneur. But I don't, I don't know what that is actually. I think it is like to Jillian's point earlier is like people trying to keep each other small, people trying to keep each other down. Maybe if they feel like they only have one thing or they don't have anything that they want to keep you down with them. Like the what is it? The crabs, like you put the crabs in the bucket and they'll pull each other back in. Maybe it's like that mentality, but I don't know. I don't know the answer. It's like a safety thing. Like, Oh, you just do this. So I can just expect this from you. Like, I only want to come to you for like this one thing. And I really don't want to hear what you have to say about anything else because like, this is your thing or it's a control thing. Yeah. You just stick to digestion. Right. Would you say to Barack Obama in his bike helmet. You just stick to being a president. Right. Don't ride your bike. Right. No, you ne- like that dude that would say that to you, Danny, is yep. not going to say that to Barack Obama. Right. So for me, it all comes down mm-hmm. to like these power differentials. Mm-hmm. And um, like for me, a lot of the times it is targeted against women. Like mm-hmm. this is just what I'm noticing over the years. 
It was interesting. So when Danny and I started talking about the affairs that happened in our marriages, the first thing that both of us did, and not even for such a long time, and you know this because you were like front row seat because I was, just so everyone knows, Jillian and I have been super close for a long time and I confided in you probably sooner than I confided in anyone uh, when I had found out about Jade's infidelity. And like, I had this moment of like, first thing you do is blame yourself. Why is that? You know, it's like one of those things and Danny did too, of like, I'm instead of just being like mad, and I don't think it's everybody, but I think women are a little bit more susceptible to taking it on. Yep. Then maybe a man might deflect or, de- or defend yep. or yep. get angry or want to fucking fight somebody. Yep. Whereas I think we are more susceptible to like either questioning or being, or taking it on yep. and apologizing or, yep. you know, uh, blaming ourselves or yep. we default to not feeling good enough. Men probably do too, but it comes out differently. Well, cause again, women are so conditioned to like link their, um, mm-hmm. sense of self-worth mm-hmm. with approval from elsewhere. Yeah, right. So if your man it, do yep. we swear on this? Yeah. Yeah. If your man is fucking someone else, <laughs> yeah. obviously yeah. that says something about you yeah. that you're not good enough or yeah. you're not worthy of approval. And so that like cuts like a knife, like right to your sure. heart. It's so interesting. You know, it's so funny you say that because we've talked about, obviously we've talked about infidelity a lot on the podcast and off of it. We've had a lot of people say to us things like, well, you just weren't having enough sex. Like they almost whisper it. <laughs> right. They almost whisper it. Like, like it's a quantity. It's a sex. formula. It's a formula. Yeah. They, like, cause people don't know. And I get it. I'm like, dude, we're having sex like three times a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for 10 fucking years. You know what I mean? So it's like, no, it wasn't that even when he was with somebody else, you know? So it's like this weird thing where we do want to just be able to put it into a mm-hmm. box of like, this is, it's because the wife was a nag or it's because, you know, they were frigid. She let herself go. She or was like, frigid. Right. She and it's yeah. just none of that, you it's know, and it's, that. and it's unfortunate that you almost have to have the experience to know yeah. to, to stop blaming yourself. You know, Danny, I feel like made such a quick, I think you made such a quick turnaround to it's not about me. It took me a lot longer. Well, that's just cause I, I, <laughs> I could have done it longer, but I had to meet the girl and then I realized, right. It's so funny, though, because it's funny because had I met her and she was like 22 and I I guess in my head, I thought she was like 22 and like hotter or something then I would have I probably would have felt like it was me. Like, see, it's because I'm too old and too like worn out. Then when she was like so similar to me, I was like, oh, it's not me. So I don't know. But that kind of sucks, too, because then it can be used against you if you feel if you feel that way. So I don't know. Yeah, it's such an interesting. It it only served me because I needed it to serve me. So let's talk about your competition days. Mm-hmm. So for you, like, okay, you did that. You obviously have a holistic, you've always had a holistic view of health. You went to medical school, you, you know, did clinic or whatever. And then you're like, cool, let me see if I can get super fucking lean mm-hmm. and get this ridiculously dark tan on my body <laughs> and get in these like, like tall suit, ass plastic yeah, the, heels yep. and get up on stage and pose like a weirdo. Like no offense to people who compete, but like that shit is not natural. Yeah. So like, it, you know, why did you want to do something like that? And how did that process for you improve your life? Well, so really I got started cause you were like, Oh my God, you'd be so good at this. Because like, look at her fucking delts. <laughs> You got her into it. <laughs> yeah. What shows did you guys do? I couldn't. I'd have. To, I don't even know. <laughs> Shouldn't remember. <laughs> we definitely weren't. So Danny was on like track to become a pro in the IFBB. Like, okay. No, we were doing like the little natural shows and like yeah. the regional. Oh, like, the natural little, shows. Yeah. I did get a pro card in something. And then I just like stopped <laughs> immediately after that. Yeah. For me, it was fascinating because it's kind of like testing like your limits. Right. So mm. not very many of, many of us actually like want to push our edges. 
so for me, it was a lot of that. And it was really about cultivating discipline. Mm. Um, I often say I don't really have any self-control, but I have really good <laughs> discipline. Um, and discipline to me is something that's practiced. And like, Wait, what's is, the difference? Yeah. So discipline to me is like an art that is practiced over and over and over again. It's the writer that gets up in the morning and sits down and writes for an hour, whether they feel like shit, whether they're motivated, whether they're not motivated. Okay. It's the competitor that gets up and eats their bag chicken and asparagus, like whether they feel like it or whatever, where self-control can be like more impulsive. Like, so if there's a bottle of wine sitting in front of me, like mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure when that mm. would stop. Right. So it's subtle, but to me, there is like a real dis- a a real distinction there. Got it. I actually really enjoyed the competition days and I let them go easily. I'd feel like just from working with other competitors, I didn't experience to the extent that I've heard from other women, like the ups and downs, the fluctuations in weight, the hormonal disruptions, anything like that. It actually suited me well. And when I stopped, I didn't like put on 20 pounds, like yeah. I kind of look the same. <laughs> yep. You yeah. know, like I'm not, I'm obviously like extremely pale right now. The spray tan <laughs> you, was a little hard to take. Okay. Um, call it really tanorexic it. after you, after it washes off, you feel like you're tanorexic. <laughs> you're just like, suddenly you're like, I'm not tan enough. <sighs> I know. I'm still tanorexic though. <laughs> 10 years later. I don't know. I can kind of rock the pale. Like I've learned a lot about like, just like, well, really? So like self acceptance. Yeah. Like my value is not attached to winning a show or looking a certain way. Because honestly, like your body changes every day. Mm-hmm. Like the way your cells turn over, like you literally have a different body every day. That's crazy. Like to it, think about. It really is. Like metabolically, anatomically, physiologically, your body is different every single day, has been since the day you were born yep. and will be till the day you die. You have a different body every single day. That's true. You look at old pictures, you're like, you know, I, you go, I don't look like that at all anymore. But you, over time, you see yourself in the mirror every day. You don't see yourself changing until you see a picture from like here to here. And you're like, dang, I look so different. Yep. Yeah. But I will say, you know, to your, so you posted something earlier on IG, Jill, about expectation management, like yeah. in our heyday of like coaching and stuff. Like Personality I learned, management all day, I learned every day. a lot about expectation management and just sort of like clearly communicating what, A, what people's expectations are. And B, if those are even feasible or not. Yeah. And C, if they're not, like, what that looks like. So did you ever find yourself at a time where you had to manage your own expectations around something? Well, I think you sort of have the expectation, like, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm, like, going to fucking kill it. And then you come and last in a show and you're like, oh, that didn't happen. But like, <laughs> you, did a, you actually did a blog post for JillFit.com. Yeah. What I learned coming in last place. Because you came in last place. The biggest loser. Yeah. Yeah, The biggest loser. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. And it was basically just like, well, just like, see you next time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of like getting up with that. So it was your first pro show, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think think so. I think so. It's like, okay. Makes sense. Total sense. But so even though that wasn't an enormous like trigger for me, obviously that can be an enormous trigger for other women. Yeah. Yeah. And it can completely wreck them for years. Yeah, that's crazy. And so you you gave it up and you were like, you know, I think I'm good on this. Uh-huh. It was just, just done. It was to, time. Yeah. yeah, you're like, I think I'm just going to go back to. And so then how did you, like, obviously with a degree in naturopathic medicine, you have an area of experts. You have a lot of expertise. It's mm-hmm. not just digestion. But like what made you want to just hone in on that? Like what was it that obviously that that's what you're known for. It's what your brand is about. Honestly, you guys, like whenever there's like poop memes, they go to Jillian. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like farting memes. Or All the poop. toilet paper memes. Yeah. Just send them my way. <laughs> I just, yeah. 
You must just use like the toilet emoji all the time. I mean, like, I do. I <laughs> we actually came up with a new cleanse in Vegas in July. Oh, we did. You guys need to talk about that, but we'll talk about it later. <laughs> so, how did you know that you wanted to do digestion of health? Did you have like a history of that, or like? No, like honestly, that was who showed up at the clinic. Oh, really? So okay. I started practicing and. 85% of people had some digestive issue. Mm. Like what? Like constipation or their bloating Did Danny all Jay the time. Come? Like, yeah. <laughs> like everybody, pooping once a week is not healthy. You want to have one bowel movement every single day. Oh. Oh. <laughs> At least. It should be well formed, easy to pass, no pain, no strain, no mucus. Well. No blood, no undigested food besides corn. And besides corn. I'm 0 for 10 on these. <laughs> so it's quick quick random story when i was like eight years old so i've had digestive problems for always i was eight i'm gonna say eight years old because that's i was in california that's how i could track the time my mom took me to the doctor because i didn't poop and they, the doctor sat down with me and they go how often do you have a bowel movement and i was like i don't know what bowel movement meant so i'm like what's that and my mom's like how often do you poop honey and i was like oh maybe like once a week and they both, like the doctor and my mom both kind of like gasped, like, oh, and so I, when I saw their faces, I'm like, oh, shoot, that was the wrong answer. I did that too much. So I was like, well, maybe once every two weeks. <laughs> was that more accurate or was that just like you're trying to it like. It probably was more accurate, to be honest. And I think it terrified their them. eyes just bugged out of their so head. So then they put me on a quick uh, diet of drinking a tablespoon of mineral oil morning and night. So then I had greasy shit. <laughs> Oh my god! Really? They put you on mineral oil? Yeah, that was the that was the protocol. So my mom every day she's like, "Take your medicine," and I basically had to go to the fridge and she'd give me a tablespoonful of mineral oil, and I was like, Bleh. "And Did then, it work?" Yeah, it works, but it's like orange grease coming out your butthole. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated it too. You know, what? I think I caused my own constipation because I never wanted to stop playing to go poop, and so I think I just held it for a long time. And then that forever habitual. Yeah. 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 I think I probably did cause it because I remember just never wanting to stop playing. So what percentage do you think of digestive issues are caused by emotional stress? Oh, probably close to half. So you mean Hmm. mostly just anxiety, stress? Well, so this can be actually a huge question because if you think about something like Danny, maybe like what you have, like functional constipation, Mm -hmm. meaning like. You're constipated, but they don't exactly know why. Yeah. Right. Or a diagnosis like IBS. These things, one of the roots, one of the issues is essentially imbalance of the second brain, which is the brain that like is in our guts, Mm -hmm. like literally from the base of the esophagus all the way through the large intestine, the small intestine, all of that is this huge plexus of nerves mm-hmm. that regulates all aspects of digestion, including our motility and our regularity, like how frequently we poop. This second brain is in like a bimodal feedback relationship with our central nervous system. And our central nervous system is our brain and our spinal cord. And obviously, our central nervous system is what experiences stress, whether that is from a traumatic upbringing or being, you know, we're talking about competitors like over dieting and over exercising or being underslept or just like 
being in a job you hate, being in a relationship that you is non-fulfilling, like all of these are different aspects of stress, which will feed back down onto your second brain Mm -hmm. and alter the function of your digestive system. So like, imagine that. So now imagine all the people that you know in your life that like deal with chronic stress, they actually don't know how to deal with it or compensate for it. Like they don't have the tools to manage their own stress. The, many of these people are experiencing digestive distress. Mm-hmm. They're constipated or they have diarrhea or they go back and forth or they like can't digest their food. They're like, I eat and like, it's just a break in my stomach and right. I like belch and I fart and like all these things. Yep. A lot of that comes from stress and stress. Stress is one of those words that like feels so gratuitous to me because it's like, it's used so much. It almost means nothing. Sure. Yeah. Kind of like the word perfect sure. or like love, like those things are, or you're the best. Like everything is, the yeah. When we use those so much, it's almost like things get diluted, right? So like when you say stress, you're like, oh, well, everybody's stressed. So it means like nothing at all. When really like people are walking around with like real issues. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think a lot. Now, of course there's infections and there's autoimmune disease and like there's a, you know, anatomical stuff and like a bunch of other reasons for digestive distress. But when we're talking about stuff like irritable bowel syndrome or like these functional digestive disorders. Yeah. What about having three, uh... What are they called? Three colonics in a week. Yeah, how about having three colonics in <laughs> over five days? Yeah, that cre- <laughs> yeah, that was more of like an anatomical I like how stress. you call me functionally constipated. It's like functional alcoholic. I feel kind of like No, no, no. So functional just means this. so functional is just kind of like they can't they can't find a reason for oh. constipation. Right? Meaning yeah. like, okay, maybe you eat enough fiber and you're yeah. whatever. Like there's no we there's no real reason. Water. What yeah. Or- <laughs> I've drank no water today. I've peed like nine times, so I don't know what's, <laughs> but this has been like a longstanding pattern for you too. Oh so. yeah. My body's used to it. I, I'm adapted. My body is adapted to this lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of digestive issues. So last summer we wanted to talk about this because we went to Las Vegas with uh-huh. Jillian. The three of us went to Vegas last summer for five days for Jill, which, for Jill's birthday, for my birthday weekend. And if anyone has ever gone to Vegas for even a couple nights, they know that five days in Vegas is a really long time. five days is one day too long. <laughs> it was so remember the last day we're like, fuck, I guess we have to drink because we're just here. We were like, have I ever not lived in Vegas? <laughs> No, really, like I live at the like, Cosmo now. I felt like I've always lived at the Cosmo. <laughs> like we live at this hotel. I think you wanted to come out, and I was like, "Come out to LA. We'll spend a couple of days here, and then we'll go to Vegas for my birthday to see Gwen Stefani, <laughs> which was so fun, by the way." And Jillian and I actually didn't know we were going to see Gwen Stefani until the day of. Yeah, we yeah, were talking about of. Gwen. We thought Jillian knew, <laughs> and so she just goes, "Who's Gwen?" I'm like, "What?" She goes. I, I don't know who said it. I was like, She's like, you keep saying we're going to meet up with Gwen. We're going to go see Gwen. <laughs> she was so shocked. She screamed, oh my God, we're going to see Gwen Stefani. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I was so excited. <laughs> well, because we grew up with the like, don't speak error. Yes. So like, and she's so hot. And well, speak. and she's, I feel like she is an empowered woman that has like claimed back kind of like, I'm not listening to your criticism. Like kind yeah. of cycling well, like she came way from, back. She came from like the punk. She came from like punk, right? And like mm-hmm. Scott, we're like, that's like the whole idea behind punk is like, revolt and rebel and she's had to let relationships go yeah right and her and husband of, had an affair and her <laughs> shout out had, gwen she had to kind of like <laughs> move on from that so yeah i mean to her i mean to me she's she's amazing yeah yeah so it was so amazing so, so we had the concert went to gwen yep. surprise to jillian apparently <laughs> it was amazing so we were on the corn diet 
Yeah. Yeah. Why were we eating so much corn? How did this happen? I'm not sure because that that because we went to beauty in essex did we get like a street corn plate or something and then well yeah that like poolside salad was basically just like corn with like sour cream on it or whatever and like some scallions it was scrumptious but we were like and then also we ate popcorn and basically we noticed over like three days (laughs) in we were like all we're eating is corn and sauvignon blanc and (laughs) ribeyes so we we decided to make a, a corn flush yeah because didn't you poop that week or something i think i I think it was like oh write this this date down on the calendar because danny pooped so we were going to create the corn flush diet because you know we could sell a lot of i mean jillian's an author so we were we were talking about selling some books she's got some contacts (laughs) yeah we could sell that so we're going to do the corn flush which is basically anyone if people don't know how vegas works so first of all jillian has been married for how long eight years nine years ten years it'll be ten years in september so she'll be married for ten years september her and keone have a great relationship they've been together for 13 14 years 15 15 years long time and Keone for everyone who doesn't know is also an Asian physician acupuncturist and it's my ex-husband's brother and so we all lived in the same town in North Carolina and uh, spent a lot of time together and like we're really all really close and so <laughs> Jillian is su- not only is she married she's like super married and then Danny and I are not we're not <laughs> super married last summer let's just say that and so we're in Vegas and like Jillian was such a trooper like we were out at like in a DJ booth until like three in the morning. Oh my god! And I look over and she's like just like smile on her face with a fucking drink on her hand, like not interested in any of these dudes. Like totally, just but like is just like having fun, bopping to the music. Like I think a lot of people would just be like, I'm going home. Yeah. I hate this. But yeah. like Jillian, likes she just hangs with it. She it was hung, awesome. She hung it was the so whole fun. time. And so one day, if you guys don't know how Vegas works, basically. I think Danny Danny knows how it works because she, she always tries to get us free drinks. Find the She's money like, you know what? There's you guys oh, yeah. were fucking pros. Find the money. That's yeah. That's, so if you okay, so if you're a couple of tricks together and you go into a bar in Vegas, sometimes and multiple times, the bouncer will come up to you or someone who works there will come up to you and say, "These men over here, these guys over here, want to buy you drinks." Mm-hmm. And so Danny always wants to buy, do it. She's like, "We're getting the free drinks." And I'm like, "But what? At what cost?" Yeah. Do we mm-hmm. have to talk to these people now? I don't want to talk to these people. Jill shut it down a couple times. I've shut it down a couple times. So we go to uh, Omnia Marquee Day Club. Oh, Marquee Day Club. And for everyone who doesn't know, a day club's like it's a nightclub, but it's outside at a pool, and it's like everyone wears like heels, and there's like a basically it's heels like and a bathing loud, suit, heels, bathing suits, loud ass music. It's super fun, but the three of us walk in. We don't have a table. We don't have a reservation. Like, there's nowhere to sit. We're actually, like, crouching next to, like, a pole. Yeah. We Drinking get our first our round drinks. of drinks. Like, by the garbage can. <laughs> the the by, I was going to say, by a garbage can. I'm pretty sure. I think I've said We're there not can. five minutes, no. and a bouncer comes over and says, hey, there's a bachelor party who rented out a whole jacuzzi and cabana mm-hmm. and food and drinks, and they want, they're looking for girls. Do you guys want to go over? And so we're like, yes. Yep. So Danny's like, yep. So we're going. Yep. Within five minutes. So we roll up and they have all this food, all this booze. It was the best scenario because the guys didn't really want to talk to us. Yeah. They had other girls. They just wanted other girls around. Yeah. Yep. They wanted girls around. Well, because they had. It was a bachelor party. Bachelorette party. Yeah. Then there were some other girls. We like became friends with the other girls there. (laughs) Do you remember all those chicks? Yep. There was uh, right, so then there was a bachelorette party set yep. up with them. Yep. And so we kind of came in three of us being like, "Cool, like let's just have some drinks." Yeah. And, like, like let's. <laughs> Danny was a little bit more interactive. No, only because the guy like th- did he throw me on his shoulders, and I'm yeah. like, "Why can get me off of if him?" If you remember the Instagram stories from last summer, oh god, there yep. might have been some like wrestling. 
I think there was like a chicken fight. <laughs> yeah. Chicken, yeah. Yes, that's what it, yes, a chicken Definitely fight. chicken fight. Yeah. There was like, it was like a private little jacuzzi. Yeah. So anyway, yes. we ate and drank all day for free. Yep. yep. So then it's later in the day and Jillian goes to the bathroom. She's gone for a while and like, we're kind of just like hanging out, whatever. Jillian comes back and she goes, oh my God, there was this girl in here and she was getting sick and she was really sick. And if anyone hasn't been to Vegas, like people throw up all the time. Like it's the most <laughs> disgusting bathrooms like anywhere. So Jillian gets back and goes, this girl got really sick in there and a bouncer tried to come in like a big bouncer dude tried to come in. Yeah. And you blocked him and you were like, I got it handled. Yeah. Well, so I was And you helped the in. trick. Yeah. Well, so I was walking in and the, the guys were like, ma'am, ma'am, because this girl's passed out in the stall. Right. And meanwhile, you guys, this is like three in the afternoon. Yeah. This is not. Yeah. Also, <laughs> no, I was that girl and New Year's well, Eve no, listen, 2016. <laughs> Danny, we have. Here, here's the thing. We Sorry have all been night. that person. Yeah. Uh, many of us, except County, have right. been that person. Yeah. Well, so I didn't like the guy in there and all the girls are like screaming, right? Because it's a girl's bathroom and there's like dude security guards in there and they're like, oh, my God. And he's like, bam, bam, and he's pounding on the door, but the door, or not the door, but like right next to the door, because the door is kind of open. So I kind of like stiff arm him, and I'm like, I'll handle it. (laughs) (laughs) So she goes into the stall Mm -hmm. where the girl is crouched down or like passed out, kind of, like eyes rolled back in her head. And then what did you do? Well, I got down. You did say I'm a doctor. No, I didn't. I told, oh, I well, thought I told, you told the, us. I told the guys oh, I'm a doctor. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought you told the but girl. I'm also, so I'm in the, the thong bikini that Jill has <laughs> let me borrow. I've never wa- worn a thong bikini before, just FYI. Um, she looked very and anyway, hot. So, yeah, of course. Let it hang out. I don't know. When I get in situations like that, I tend to get very soft. So I talked to the girl and said, come here, baby. And I like lift her up and I can just see that come she's... Here, baby. She's just really out of it. She's, I can tell she's very drunk. Uh, her eyes are kind of crossed. And so I say to her, I say, I'm going to stick my finger in your throat. Don't bite me. <laughs> and I grabbed her by the nape of the neck and I held her head over the toilet and I made her throw up. Because really, she didn't need to be harassed by these like security dudes. She just needed to get the booze out of her system. And so made her throw up. It was like all rum. And she was kind of coming out of it. And then I just like, Stood up and left. I was like, my work here is done. And then, and then <laughs> he begins, like, bobbing back and like, just tells us the story. Like, but also, like, wasn't brag. Like, didn't, like, just, I think you didn't even tell us right away. You told us, like, an hour later. I know. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, what? what chicken fight might have been going on at that point? And I was entertained by it. But, yeah, yeah that was bit. Vegas is pretty crazy. Julia is the kind of person you need. Like, you're, like, the guardian angel. The girl was probably like, I just, I feel like I remember this woman with, the, like, blonde hair and a light who made me throw up. And then I, like, came back to life. No, we would probably never recognize each other, to be honest. Because I was, like, five or six out of a ten buzzed, right? And Oh, my God. It was something about those dudes that bothered me so yes. much that yeah. I was like, get out of here right now. You're yeah. like, I'm taking care of this. Yeah, and you yeah. did. Yeah, and I did. Yeah. She held it down. So if you're ever sick in Vegas, just remember. I'm your girl. I'll take care of you. <laughs> She's a pager. You can just get with her. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. It was such a fun week. And it was like, it was one of those days where like drinking was starting to become a chore. Because we're like, I guess we drink again now. Yeah, we're like, it's four o'clock. So we either like take a nap and we die or we just keep drinking all the way through. <laughs> <laughs> and we kept going out. We, it was fun. We went to, uh, went to Gwen. We went to Absinthe, Absinthe, Absinthe which, was which was super fun. And then the last night, another night, we ended up in the DJ booth. Yep. And yes. then the last and night, we ended up with a professional boxer and his entourage. 
Wait, the boxer. Oh. oh, at the rooftop? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we ended up at some... That was his penthouse. Yeah, the penthouse. Oh. And they were starting to show off their guns. Remember the guns? Yeah, it was like three yeah, in the morning. Yeah, I was like, yeah, we yeah. gotta go. Yeah, that, then it was time to go. <laughs> yeah, sure. but like, why are you... Why are we admiring these guns? Like, what's happening? Well, oh, because one of them was trying to have you hold it and take a picture or something, weren't they? No. I thought they... <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's time to go. There was definitely a time when we were all new. It was time to go. <laughs> I will say, being a married person, like in the company of two other women who are extremely hot, and like you can't even take more than like five steps anywhere without being accosted. Like, do you want a free drink? Free drink? Like, <laughs> you know, like, was a little trippy, and like people you tell people that you're married and they're like, Oh, but how married? Yeah. It's like code or yeah. something. It's because it's also Vegas, right? Yeah. It, yeah. And I remember we got sidetracked in some hotel. Do you remember that we got side? We had a drink with like some dude and he was a French dude and he was like, yes. Oh, the two, remember the two French remember dudes? My, he, he was talking about his wife. It was like a happy hour time frame. Yeah. And no. so he was talking about basically how he really wasn't like that married. So she's using this. air quotes. You guys can't see her, but she's using air quotes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Air quotes. That married. Yeah, that married, quote, unquote. I'm married, but I'm not that. Like, well, you know, it's funny because when we were, so we're in, we're, we're in that jacuzzi and there was a bachelor party. Yeah. And then there's a bachelorette party. And a lot of those people in those parties were actually married. Yep. And hooking up. And they were hooking up with each other. Yeah. And I looked yep. at Danny and I said, you know, and not to like judge this, like, like, hey, like whatever, if you, you do whatever you want in your relationship, whatever. But I remember looking at Danny and going, did you, were you ever even close to a scenario like this when you were married to Nate? And she was like, no. And I was like, yeah, me neither. I remember and Jillian that. is like, no. I mean, yeah. she's there and she is married. And it's like an interesting, like you're just not really available for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I hate to judge. It sounds coming off really judgy, but I was so shocked actually. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, wow, these are two bachelor bachelorette parties that are both uh, have a lot of married people uh-huh. and they seem to be like on each other's laps and like kind of hooking up a little bit and like maybe going to meet later and like yeah. touching. And I was like, wow. I remember I you saying that. Actually, I remember when we were at Cabo at your mastermind, I was in the pool and there was that dude who had only been married a year and he oh, literally yeah. just like, uh, like we weren't even talking about anything and he's just like, you want to come up to my room? And I was like, what? Huh? <laughs> and he's like, oh, just, just asking. And I was like, no, I'm good. And then I was like, did he just, didn't he just say, oh, I thought I'd just try. Yeah. I, was I, like, I, I just cry. I'm like, yep. Nope. I'm good. Thanks. And, and like, maybe we're coming off like super naive right now. <laughs> Because maybe people are like, yeah, it's just what you do when you're in Vegas. Like, right? What what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. But I was shocked. Yeah. For me, like, that's fine. As long as there's, like, full disclosure on both Do you ends. think that there whether is, Whether it's, like, a don't ask, don't <laughs> tell nope. policy. And, like, right. that's firmly in place. Or right. whether it's, like, we know that this can happen and it's fine. Like, I do think that there has to be a place. Do you think that people have like those how- conversations? Because we never had those conversations. No. Do you and Keone, and if you want to be vulnerable, you can. You don't have to. Like, what kinds of conversations do you guys have around the rules of the relationship? Did you get in being like, okay, we're just like automatically monogamous and we both know that? Because I think, you know, for Danny and I, we wish we had had more nuanced conversations yeah. around it. No, I don't know if I'm, if we are just strange like that, but from the very start of our relationship, we sort of came out of the gate with very um, in-depth discussions about like what monogamy and boundaries meant for us. Mm. So there was a lot of that like upfront, extremely clear communication So we didn't assume like we didn't assume that because I'm going to behave a certain way, like he's going to also behave Mm -hmm. a certain way. Right. So that was sort of like framed out very early on. Um, I feel like that's unique. 
And I feel, so based on my experience with people in the clinic, I also feel like that's rather unique. Where because that, people don't really speak on that level or they just assume. I think there's that, an like, assumption. Hey, like monogamy yeah. means yeah, we're this. honest with each other. Like that's the standard. We're going to be monogamous. But Or you just go, you know, if something comes up, they'll, they'll talk about it. Doesn't happen. Yeah. I wish it happened that way. Well, because a lot of people like shy away from those like really, um, those like uncomfortable and messy conversations. But again, sort of cycling back to like, so with my upbringing, it was so chaotic and so weird and just felt so horrible that moving forward, I wanted to be like extremely on point with like communicating what my needs were and mm-hmm. like who I was in the world because I wasn't going to repeat something that I didn't like from my past. How do you feel? Do you like, did you have that moment? Like, how did you have that awareness even? Cause I think so many people just repeat pattern from their yeah, past like uh, they always say like you date your father or well, like you marry really your funny. father keoni and i have conversations about this because my brother is very different from i am and honestly i am not sure beyond the sense that like i knew from a very young age that i had to get out and i had to do something different and that i just did not want to repeat where i'd come from and i did everything that i could to do that and meeting someone like keoni that might have been a total like fucking fluke and like we just meshed up and it was great but there is also something very deliberate about the way we communicate mm-hmm. from, from even like when we were just dating and just first meeting. Yeah. I feel like it's easier. We've talked about this a little bit. I feel like it's a lot easier to disclose your preferences and you know, the things that you want early in the relationship. Cause it's not as risky. You're it's not as like, invested. Yeah. That's you're not as, as invested. Right. So like, I think it's easy to be like, oh, I could like take or leave this relationship. It's not that serious yet. Yeah. And in my experience, as the stakes got higher in my marriage, more things were invested. I was more like time invested, materialistic invested. Like you shy away and, and you know this because you had a front row seat to all this was going on with Jade and I. Like you don't say the thing. I was walking on eggshells for like six months or even a year. And I remember going to dinners with you and I would be like, can you believe this? And like literally just being like venting to you, venting to you as one does with a girlfriend. And you would say, well, did you say that? And it was a really good point. Like yeah. I should have just said that. And I was like, well, no, because I know what he would say. I know he would get super defensive. Yeah. I know that he would deny it. Yeah. And like, you'd be like, okay. Like, and you were always pushing me to have clear communication even back then. And I couldn't hear it cause I was so scared of his response, yep. you know, to deal with that fallout in some way, shape or form. So I think it's a good practice. Mm-hmm. So let's just say someone is listening to this and they're going, okay, I've been married for 10 years too. And man, like I am working on eggshells in my relationship and we know people like this. Yep. I am walking on eggshells in my relationship. I don't bring things up. I hold my tongue all the time. How do I have the first conversation? Yeah. Like, Honestly, fuck. so it's like ripping that, ripping the bandaid off, right? So <clears throat> I would go to my husband and I would be very honest. I'd be like, honey, honestly, like, this is really hard for me to say to you, but I feel like in a lot of ways I've been stifling myself in this relationship mm-hmm. and I'm literally shaking inside. Like I can barely say this to you, but I need you to hear me. Like I have something to tell you. Wow. Or I need some, I need to ask for your help or yeah. I, whatever that like thing is. You go to them. You tell them how you're feeling, like meaning I'm afraid, like I've been holding this back because I've been afraid of your reaction or your Mm -hmm. disapproval. Like you just get it all out there. There's nothing to lose from being honest. If you're not, it feels like there's a lot to lose. Yeah. But if you're not being honest, you're actually kind of losing yourself. True. Which is worse. Which is like way worse. It feels easier to put your own needs aside Mm -hmm. in the moment. Yeah, and you create a prison for yourself. You really do. 
And so, especially because you haven't been communicating that openly, or if you have, it's because you just got in a fucking fight and your resentment has bubbled through the roof and you're like, and it's all you can do to not say it. Right. So like, that's, I feel like how most couples communicate is either like everything's good, everything's good, everything's good. Or it's like, or it's like the high emotion, like fight Yep. because they wait. You have to be able to make that step, whether it's verbally or from for a letter. I love letters because I'm more articulate, like uh, in writing, than I am verbally. Mm-hmm. So, and then sometimes being able to collect your thoughts and write them down, and maybe even edit them over days, and like yep. really get down, like simply what you want to say. Mm-hmm. But it's like you have if you can't communicate that to them, like how uh, like how else are you going to communicate anything? Like yeah. how can you actually communicate what you want to say? It's funny, we had um, an interview with Renelle Nelson. She's a like sex coach, infidelity coach, sex therapist. And one of the things she said, which was funny, but so true, she's like, if you could put a dick in your mouth, you could talk. And it was like, it's interesting how sometimes we can be so intimate that way, but to speak, to speak our needs and our truth feels more intimate and scary than it is to like, give up our bodies or, oh, or do that way. Well, we were kind of talking in the car, right? Like intimacy has all kinds of scales. Yeah. So like for some people, a dick in the mouth is not actually intimate yeah, at all. No. Like to say It'd what you like, need you or feel cut. is like scarier than like sucking someone's dick. And you're mm-hmm. like, damn. But yeah, I think that I like your writing things out because for me, sometimes I have a lot of initial emotions. Like I just had a recent experience with a friend and I was like, I can't talk to you today. I need like a day or two to process. And sometimes I'll just put notes on my phone of what I'm thinking. Yes. And then after like a night's sleep or two nights sleep, I can look back and go, okay, this was like extra emotional. This is where sometimes we just say things because we want to just hurt somebody back yep. and give yourself a little bit of time to like get really clear on what you're actually feeling, like the writing, the writing notes. Yep. And it also gives the person receiving it time to process too. I feel like sometimes when they're maybe blindsided by a, a level of a vulnerability that they haven't seen from you from years, mm. like I can tell, I, I think I've said this on the podcast, like I didn't even cry in the first like year or two after Jade and I separated because I just wasn't able to be in that like highly, I was emotional in other ways, but I wasn't able to like actually like access my tears in some way, shape or form. So I think, you know, if you are approaching a loved one and you haven't a- interacted on that level, level of vulnerability, mm-hmm. like maybe giving both parties time to, to process what it means versus, and, and a letter sounds like it might do that mm-hmm. versus like just being mad. And then like, no one's going to respond yeah. well to just being blindsided with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I'm definitely not advocating for every, anyone to like go at your partner with like a ton of anger or emotion. It's really just being like, there's been a lot of ways that I've stifled myself and like, mm-hmm. this is just what, and I'm feeling very like scared or vulnerable or whatever I'm feeling. And this is how I feel. So what I'm if you're like, scared that they're going to be mad? What if you're scared they're going to leave you? Mm-hmm. Well, so here's the thing. It's like, again, this like expectation management, right? It's like, if you are completely invested in managing other people's emotions and reactions to you, it's another way of losing yourself. It's mm. just another prison. Mm. So it doesn't mean you're a bit. It doesn't mean like you're inconsiderate. It doesn't mean you're like nasty. It just means that you're f- like firm in saying what you want to say and you trust or you you allow them the space to like have their reaction. Because And what if they times- leave you and you go, you know what? I just wish I, shouldn't, I wouldn't have said that because now I'm single. Now I'm alone. Now I'm whatever like the outcome is. And I have to deal with this fallout and yep. I wish I just hadn't said anything. Well, so here's the thing. It's like, would you choose that life where you're stifled? Right. And like not actually expressing your truth. So like so for some people, they may be like, yes, that's better than being single. So it's like we're, it's up to ourselves to discern whether being 
with someone and stifled Mm -hmm. and like not actually like expressing our preferences or like being who we are Mm -hmm. is better than being single and just being able to be who you are. Right. I think people view like having a partner as security when really like think about all the miserable married couples, you know, so true. Yep. Think about how many couples that are married that aren't miserable. They're actually the minority. Mm-hmm. Like truly. Yeah. Well, and you talk to people every day at the clinic and Keone mm-hmm. does too. Like you guys have a lot of client contacts. That's why I love talking to both of you about like the people you see in your office and not that you ever disclose like personal details, but you know, you see patterns. Yeah, trends. Especially for, sure. for especially dealing with digestion and like yep. so much of it is emotional stress. And a lot of times people just say, I'm going through a divorce or I, you know, like I'm going through this hard, I just, I, well, I'm getting over a loss or my yep. kids just left the house or like yep. there's just, there's always, it's always traced back to something that they are, that is emotionally there's an emotional block in some capacity and I will say that that block a lot of times and you and I talk about this a lot have talked the last however you know 10 plus years that block stems from non-clear communication mm-hmm. I know you've been saying that forever <laughs> it's so tr- you know like I don't I don't know much about like the chakras but it's an interesting thing with I think thyroid conditions and the thyroid is like your throat chakra and a lot of women dealing with thyroid issues and who are holding something back, like not speaking their truth, not speaking yep. about something that comes up. And so I think there's something to that, like the, the mind-body connection and kind of what you said, like the, the two brains is I really believe there is, I think your body will manifest disease in a way if you're holding something in or holding something back. In, so. um, in school, in med school, like in psychology, where we learned about this concept called betrayal of self. Mm-hmm. Mm. And like really before there's betrayal of other, there really is betrayal of self. Mm -hmm. And part of betrayal of self is like not speaking your truth or like not doing your work or censoring yourself or like just tiptoeing on the eggshells because like you don't want to create waves. So it's like you eat that, you know? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Deep shit. It is. You know, it's interesting though, because there are kind of two schools of thought. Like uh, one of Byron Katie's books is called, what's it called? It's I Need Your Love. Is it true? And it's all about kind of like when you um, cater to someone else or when you kind of like put aside your, not your own needs, but your own like personality or the way Uh that you are in the world to make sure that you're liked for approval, for affirmation, whatever. It is really a betrayal of self. Mm -hmm. But then there's this whole other school of thought of like how to win friends and influence people. Right. That's like put on this, you know, make people feel at ease and like make sure you have your eye contact and your back straight and your body turned towards somebody. And like, you know, Dan, my brother, Dan, I get in this conversation a lot because he's of the school of like making people feel comfortable and he's so great at like being socially adept and whatever. And so it's like, you know, it gets into the conversation of like, if you, what if you're scared that your true self and your preferences are not likable and that you're never going to have the approval of friends even or your family even I'm dealing I have a client right now who's really struggling with her family isn't the dynamic that she wants and they're not going to change and so she's almost grieving the idea of family family so it's like what if you're scared that your true authentic way of being is unlikable or unaccepted or you will be single and you'll die alone and like all these kind of things I think that's a common belief a common subconscious belief uh I feel like there's there's some study about like the, the most like sub these subconscious beliefs come down to being unlovable or unworthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that we tend to, I don't, I'm not going to say all, I don't like absolutes, but I think a, a lot of us think that if we are our true selves, we won't be liked. Be rejected. We won't be. So we, 
we all put on a little bit of a mask Mm -hmm. and some maybe more than others, but I think that's a big, I don't know if it's biological or social, but I'd say probably some of it's biological, right? Like the tribe mentality of like, you'll get kicked out of the tribe. It's like for survival, right? Like they have to get along. But like ultimately both of those schools of thought talk about manipulation of others. Mm. No matter which way I'm swinging with those two schools of thought you laid out, if I'm stifling myself or if I'm extending myself, I'm doing it with the purpose of manipulating another's emotions or thoughts about Tell me, me. why manipul- if I show up, you said extending myself, like what do you mean? Showing up like 100% authentically? No, no, no. Like, oh, oh I'm going to like go out of my way and I'm going to keep my back straight and oh, I'm okay. make you feel good. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. like really try hard to make you like me. That is at its core a manipulation of another human being. Mm. Yeah. To me, and I love your brother. I am Danny Coleman's number one fan. He has a lot of number one fans. <laughs> we eat hot dogs together and salamis. <laughs> I can even look past his like anti mayo stance, but like ultimately, like <laughs> the whole like how to win friends and influence people. That's ba- you could basically title that book "How to Manipulate People." <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's all about the manipulation of others. And to me, like that just, I want to argue against that for a minute though, because I I took some like personality kind of, I don't know, I don't know, personality like training, right? Yeah. So like you have like four different personality types and there's different things like that. But I learned how to speak to someone. It's kind of like the love languages. Yep. So I remember my friend Rebecca, I, I realized like her personality type, I'd always like butt heads with her. So I started to speak to her in the way that her personality would like to be spoken to. And our relationship changed drastically. Yep. And she started going, what are you doing? And I finally said, well, you know, I learned about this technique. And then she goes, you're manipulating me. And I was like, I'm not manipulating you. I'm just honoring you and speaking to you in a way that you wish, like, this is how you receive it. Yep. So I can see it as manipulation because I did get, I did get a better response from her, but I am also like, maybe we're just like the five love languages. You could, I think you could call that manipulation, but you could also call it like honoring the person's way that they wish to be spoken to or how they understand. Was it hard for you to change though? Because that's the whole point, right? Like, yeah. it, I had if to learn it. It wasn't easy. With her, it would be this way. And you're like, I'm going to go over here. Now, are you betraying yourself by... As long as your own integrity is intact, yeah. I don't think that there's anything wrong with being, like, emotionally literate. Sure. So, to me, that's emotional literacy. Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not that you are... You're not censoring yourself so that you can, like, have a relationship with your sure, friend. Sure, sure. You're just maybe adjusting your tactics or that type of thing. But you're not like, I'm going to present myself in such a way to gain the approval of other people. Right. Or to make them like me better. Yeah. So there is, and that's interesting because it is a little bit nuanced there, right? Like on that edge. And certainly we all know people who might be more like quote sensitive and like need to be spoken to in a certain way. As long as you're not like compromising your own integrity or censoring yourself or that type of thing, there is definitely a space for that emotional literacy. That's what I call it. Yeah. I like that. Like, You're being is, emotionally savvy. What does Dan call it? Emotional agility. Social agility. Social agility. Social agility. Yeah. yeah social agility. So that, that, like is, that. that is a little bit different, I think, yeah. than like the manipulation of like how to win friends. Like you're not like. Sure. Well, because eventually, eventually, go- eventually, if you get close enough to someone, your true self is going to come out whether mm. you want it or not like we see that in relationships all the time like you know it's like you kind of you go what's how's the phrase go you never get a 
second, second chance, chance at a first at a impression. first impression mm-hmm. so we all go on a first date or we all show up to a, a social event or we all show up to a networking event and we have our you know like our best presentation on which i think is like valid and good like you don't want to but at the same time like at some point you that needs to be congruent with who you are as a person because yes. that's going to come out if you if the if the goal is to have a relationship the goal is to have a deep connection with the person at some point you're going to have to pull the mask off I don't know that you need to do like on the very first date, right? Like you're trying to fucking get along. But like, okay, over time, yeah. So you have to figure out ways to start revealing those parts of yourself that you're a little bit scared to. Yes. You know? And then over time, to me, like like you said, like being out of your integrity, what does that feel like? To me, it felt like walking on eggshells. Yeah. That's like when – and everyone knows what that feels like. We've all oh, yeah. done that around like a coworker yeah. who's sensitive yeah, or like a boss yeah. who blows up, right? Yeah. And like in my experience, it was a is my husband who – like my ex-husband who just like was really in a kind of – just I don't know I want to say like a victim state but and he would admit that by the way but like all and it wasn't just me it was multiple people around him so it's like everyone knows how that feels and so that's when you kind of know okay I need to backtrack a little bit I need to take a couple steps back and figure out like what have I been suppressing and then how can I tactically start like just tactfully start like revealing that side of myself without like this like bomb dropping honesty of well, like and you can't be come from like a place of resentment right you can't be like no. I've been holding this in and it's your fault <laughs> yep no. it's just like fucking own it right F- own it and then go okay I've been holding this back I realize that that's on me and here's how I want to start showing up I think to your point on that on the bomb dropping honesty I think people can use that as manipulation of going this is how it is this is how I am and all of you need to adjust around me and my personality and I think that's kind of bullshit too because hijacking yeah that's like an emotionally hijacking that's definitely like I feel like that's like okay but I feel like those conversations come as a relationship deepens and like trust grows. Yeah. Um, Do you guys know the poet Naira Wahid? Yeah, I love her stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She says something like, do not be afraid to show me who you are because I'm going to find out eventually. Ooh. And it's so true, right? Yep. Because if we're wearing the mask, like it's going to fall off sometime when we get stressed or like well, people, when they don't meet our expectations or totally. like when our personality needs don't get met like that you can only suppress for so long mm-hmm. until you get like emotionally to the point of yeah, yeah. people want to be loved for who they are but they're scared to show who they are yes, yes. so yeah, true definitely yeah so i'm not saying like lay out all your trauma like on the first day <laughs> at all but i'm also saying like don't send literally <laughs> jill just looked at me because literally my mom i i'm dating this guy and uh he came over to the house met my dad and my mom wasn't there, so she like drilling me. And she goes, "Did you tell him all of your um, skeletons in your closet?" <laughs> I was like, "What?" I go, "Mom, first off, my skeletons in my closet are all on the internet." So, <laughs> and then she's like, "Do you know all of his?" I was like, and my dad's like, "She doesn't need to ask all of that stuff right now. They're just started dating." She's like, "Well, I would want to know." And so she's just going off about like how we need to know everything right away. My dad's like, "Maybe they can ease into that. I don't think it's necessary to just." dump all of the trauma <laughs> on the first date and like handle this yeah. but yeah it's kind of funny well yeah first you have to establish that like you like each other right there's a base level of trust because like honestly are you gonna lay your trauma on someone you feel like you don't actually right trust? right because if you do do that it is sort of that like hijacking yeah i feel yeah it's or and if you get rejected and if you get rejected then you'll be like see this is so why you i, don't I tell couldn't people. trust anyone with yep. my truth yeah yep. yep. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So there's definitely a line there too. And I actually yeah. think Brene Brown speaks about that, about oversharing, like oh, oversharing. 
too fast or what have you. Mm-hmm. So all of that is heavily like shaded and yeah. it's nuanced and sure. nuanced. Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, I mean, I love this conversation only because it just, it has so many facets, like even going back to the digestion, right. And going back to, and it was just really interesting for Danny and I to see, you know, someone like you, who's in a really trusting, solid relationship for a long time and then being in Vegas, which like, and then having the contrast of like these other people who are married, who were just, you know, like not really all that, like, you know, all that married in quotes. (laughs) How married are you? How Uh, married are you? Pretty fucking married. That's the code. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty married. Yeah. And Jillian was known as the married one all weekend. Right. (laughs) The married one, the doctor, the married doctor. (laughs) Oh my God. Because Keone, if you're listening to this, she made it known that she was very married, not a little married. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Keone's always like, do you like talk bad about me to your friends ever? And I was like, you can ask them. I was like, ask them. They'll tell you. Yeah. So here you go, We know his quirks, like, obviously. Like, you should know your friend's partner's quirks. But, like, you should never. Yeah. No. We know. We love you, Keone. (laughs) (laughs) And we love you, Jillian. Thank you so much for just being so open with your time. I feel like we need to do part two. We, like, didn't really talk about any of the other stuff. But the relationship is is so good. And you're so good at communicating about communication <laughs> communicating <laughs> about communication yeah. just don't censor yourself like that's the thing but even that no, is heavily so shaded hard. right because yeah. it's not like i don't know and i think you know i like the way that jade talks about prs like he's like you know you have like a fear pr mm-hmm. i call it vulnerability prs like you just have like this like little thing you'll share because we talk about this mm-hmm. in online business a lot right like i know if you guys are not on jillian's email newsletter make sure you get our email newsletter they're so good she emails every week at, with like really just high quality information about digestion and relationships and all kinds of stuff she's multi-dimensional as we've established make sure you guys are on her list because she always calls herself a private person but she's actually very open in her email email newsletters and I love how much you share in there and they're always super informative so make sure you guys go to Jillian Tita T-E-T-A dot com and get on her newsletter what else is going on with you like let's where can people find you mm-hmm. etc well so everything is at Jillian Tita.com like all my social media all of my like free educations and schools my book uh, my blog everything is there um, I don't know when this is airing, but I'm getting ready to launch De-Stress Your Gut Academy, awesome. which will be totally free on my website. The program will be launching after that, but I have a ton of free stuff on my website. Yeah. You guys, if you at like literally any keyword you can search on there, like I, Danny and I were having digestive, I was on Jillian's website, like searching her blog from like 2012 <laughs> yes. being like cause of massive stomach ache after... I have a after lot of three, bloating on. I have lots of bloating on after three colonics and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, send her a couple of poop emojis on Insta, whatever you want to do. Thank you, ladies, Make so sure much for having connect. me. On. I'm really excited that we actually finally got to do this since we did not quite <laughs> do it in Vegas. Yeah, we remember we quite... had the equipment and we were like, let's do it today. Let's oh, do it today. We totally, you guys we totally so brought all the equipment, and it was. Should we do it now or should we just go to the pool? And it was like, let's just go, go to the pool. <laughs> <laughs> and have like that corn salad. It's cloudy outside and. Inven- or where we are in Manhattan Beach right now. Otherwise, we probably would have chosen the beach. Too, yeah. so. <laughs> well, you're the best. We love you. And well, we'll definitely you, do ladies. a part two for sure. Thank you, ladies. All right, guys. Thanks, we'll see you soon. And please subscribe. What should they do? Subscribe. Go to thebestlifepodcast.com. Yeah, we need some more reviews. We've had the last one was in February. Come on. Mm. Hook, it, hook it up, people. Send <laughs> us a review. Send a screenshot to us. And we'll do something special for you. Like, Ooh. like send you a nude. 
Jill will, <laughs> Jill will send you nudes. Only a consensual nude, though. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Bye, guys. <laughs>